So of course you guys know what that means. That music sounds familiar to you. That just always seems to find a way to get my blood boiling slash the hair standing up on the back of my neck slash uh, put me in that really emotional state to where I, you know, it's kind of like that anxiety slash emotional just don't really know what to feel, what to think outside of college basketball type of mindset, I guess, if you will. Deshaun Tate here with Tate's Take, where basketball lives. Of course, you know that already. Uh, accessible to any and every place that you can find podcasts, uh, that being Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Red Circle, Google Podcasts, uh, the whole nine. So I appreciate you guys for checking in. But, man, you know what time it is when you hear the the one shining moment and um, kind of curious to know, feel free to reach out to me on social media at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, where basketball lives. And just kind of curious to know what you guys' all-time favorite moment is. Do you have a favorite team that, you know, you had the opportunity to see cut down the nets and win the national championship or just any remarkable moments uh, and memorable moments in college basketball uh, in the NCAA tournament and for March Madness, feel free to reach out to me and let me know exactly what those are or, or what those were because I'm always really interested in hearing some of that feedback uh, and um, and like to kind of go back and forth and banter a little bit and share different stories, and that stuff always gets me really excited. So now that we're done with all that Super Bowl and that football garbage and that's what I like to call it. I know I probably piss a lot of people off with that a lot of times, but that's just the reality of what it, what it is for me. The gridiron, I'm actually kind of um, curious to know if I have to uh, ask or thank the gridiron gods for filling out my uh, for filling out my permission slip, signing my permission slip off for me for me to have my basketball season back. So mid-February now, uh, really excited to have All-Star Weekend coming about in the NBA. Um Leaving here to head out for Chi-Town, Windy City. Uh, really excited about it. Not so excited about the code, but really excited to be a part of All-Star Weekend on this upcoming weekend, Valentine's Day weekend. Happy Valentine's Day to every single last one of you uh, who are listening and supporting this show. So make sure you hit that subscription button and tell your friends to also do so when you go and find the uh, Tate's Take podcast, where it's any and everything, all 110%. Uh, basketball-based high school, uh, college, pro, the whole nine, and just thankful for you guys to be joining me. Now, I'm going to talk about a few different things. I know I teased it on social media, talking about me releasing some of my teams that I feel really confident and comfortable can make the uh, to make the Final Four, uh, which I typically don't do that. I'll explain to you why I don't do that, and I explain and I will explain to you as to why I will. Uh, talk about Bobby Knight a little bit, who, after 20-plus years, returned back to IU in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, which is really always a really awesome place to play Assembly Hall. And I, I, I don't, you know what, let me let me start with that. Let me start with that, because we're going to talk about some of the teams of underachieving and disappointing and overachieving teams, and I'm going to give some picks uh, as to uh, top 25 games that will be played this upcoming weekend, including... The one, two, and three, and four seeds. The top one, two, three, and four seeds, that is. So what is that? I'm not really good at math. So what is that? 16, 4, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12. Yeah, 16 teams. Sometimes I have to use my fingers and toes when I'm counting. But um, 
other top seeds in regards to that. But I want to start off with the Bobby Knight thing because I want that to be really short and quick. I always want to start off with something that, you know, you guys may not know about me. So I do like Indiana. Now, most people will be like, all right, dude, like, what's really going on? Let me check your temperature. I'm not really sure how to feel about you right now starting the show talking about Indiana basketball and that being your team. But while it's not my team, that's something that you may not know about me is that I've always pulled for Indiana basketball. And a a large part of that behind the reason for that is uh, because of Bobby Knight. I just, I love the intense and fiery coaches. I always have, I always will, probably hence why I uh, love Tom Izzo so much in the way that I do. But uh, furthermore, uh, you know, I probably something else that you might learn, you know, cause I, I'm, I'm a big believer in it being okay to pull for other teams. I feel like rooting is something totally different. I root for Michigan state because that is my team. That is my favorite team. Uh, but in terms of pulling for, if Indiana's playing somebody, I want to see Indiana win. If North Carolina's playing a team, I want to see North Carolina win because I grew up that kind of fan. Now, they're never going to be able to trump what Michigan State is for me. And a lot of this stuff probably won't make a lot of sense to you guys. But I want to share because one thing that I've had a difficult time with growing up with people who love sports is the fact that there's such a huge difference when people say, hey, that's my team. That's my team. I've always been a fan of that team. When you say that's my team and being a fan of that team, I feel like that's somewhat of two different things. So if you see, uh, uh, for a perfect example, the Detroit Lions, big Detroit Lions fan, uh, that is my team. That is who I root for. However, I do also like the Green Bay Packers, that being a team that I won't root for, but I will pull for them if they're playing someone outside of my team. Indiana basketball, North Carolina basketball, same sense. Like if 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 Aaron, I'm sitting up here trying to think of the name. If Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for for uh, the Green Bay Packers, throws a touchdown, I'm not gonna jump up out of my seat on the sofa and you know just go crazy rooting him on and screaming and fist pumps and all that kind of stuff. That's not the kind of fan that I am. So I just want to make sure that we're drawing the line of fans somewhere because in the sand somewhere because I come across a lot of people. It's the same way with the NBA. Okay, I'm a diehard. I'm a Detroit Pistons guy. I'm a Detroit Pistons fan, largely because of where I come from. But there's two other teams that I actually like, I pull for. I don't root, but I pull for. That being the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers, ironically enough. So that's it for me in regards to something that you don't know about me. But I was really happy to see that Bobby Knight came back. Uh, to Assembly Hall, and uh, and and it doesn't look like he's changed a bit. He looks a little bit older, but he's always looked a little bit on the older side. But um, I'm glad that that pill, I guess it's safe to say, was was swallowed, and that uh, he was willing to put some of those bad times, I guess, so to speak, behind him. Because we all know about what happened with him choking a player and so forth, and. Whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, or I, I'm just I'm one. I'm not saying it's okay to put your hands on a kid, but I, I just I believe in firm guys and coaches and zero tolerance, no nonsense type of guys. Like I'm, I, I've just always kind of channeled that my inner peace. Um, so uh, speaking of Assembly Hall, I know I was, I was telling some uh, kind of teasing it a little bit before that. You know, I am going to put out on Twitter. Uh, some of the top five or top ten venues that I would like to go and visit because I haven't necessarily, you would 
probably this would probably surprise you a little bit, but I haven't been to a ton of different venues when it comes to college basketball. I would have liked to, but I haven't been to many of those. So I'm going to go ahead and put those into maybe not in order, but I'm going to put that into play on social media at Tate's Take Hoops. Uh, that is on Twitter. Now, uh, I know a lot of you have come here to hear about the final four teams. That's unfortunate. I'm going to make you wait just a little bit longer because I want you to get a clear understanding uh, of exactly why I'm picking some of the teams that I am. And uh, speaking speaking of picking teams, first and foremost, let's go through the weekend. Uh, the Starting today, here on Thursday, uh, Valentine's Day Eve up through Sunday uh, and some of the games. I'm going to pick just a few games. So let's start off first with tonight's games, 21 Number rank rank number twenty one Iowa at Indiana. Uh, I'm gonna take Indiana on that one. I'm gonna take Indiana on that one. That's the first time that both of these teams have played all season, um, and I I think that that's the way to go on that one. Iowa is a serious team. I know everybody's throwing around this name Luca Garza, who obviously is a really really good player. I feel like if this team doesn't at least meet the expectations that it possibly could and take advantage of the kind of year that we're having in college basketball this year, then that could in large part be because of a coach in Fran McCaffrey, who while he is also a fiery coach, much like you know the Gene Cadys and the Brad Underwoods and uh, some of the other coaches that have coached in the Big Ten, I sometimes think that. Uh, he doesn't do himself very much justice in, in in making his guys better in that way or tougher in that way, and he helps them lose games sometimes in that way. And I'm not saying that that will be the case on the road against Indiana, but this is a win that Indiana desperately needs. Uh, on the second part of Thursday, uh, doubleheader, number 16, Colorado at number 17, Oregon. I want to say Colorado won that game the first time. Uh, nonetheless, I still think Oregon is a team that will compete for uh, national contention uh, in terms of national championship even, certainly for Final Four. We saw them get there back in 2017 with a really good team and even have a number one seed at one point in time over the course of the last handful of seasons or so. Uh, and Dana Altman is obviously doing a good job. But when you talk about winners at the point guard position where you have uh, Peyton Pritchard, who has won four consecutive state championships, gotten to a Final Four as well, started at point guard for that team that I just spoke upon that went to the Final Four. Uh, Dana Altman is doing a, a phenomenal job, and he is the that team is the front runner to win uh, the Pac-12 championship in terms of the regular season and uh, the conference tournament. Uh, from where I stand with it right now. Oklahoma at Kansas. I'm taking Kansas on that one. Um, Syracuse at Florida State. I was really debating and thinking about taking Syracuse on this one because they are one team that can match up with Florida State, A, athletically, and uh, from a size standpoint, with Florida taking a big fat L on the road at Cameron Indoor Stadium, which was a much better game than a lot of people kind of anticipated against Duke at Cameron Indoor uh, unfortunately coming away with an L, and I think that um, Syracuse, while I'm not already the biggest, hugest fan of Jim Beheim, I think that's probably the nicest way I, uh, not that I can put it, but that I probably should put it, uh, but Syracuse has certainly kind of fell off, and not just this year, last year, but over the course of the last few years with being right there on the bubble, 
I, I, I got Florida State on this one. I think Florida State has been the more consistent team all year. Uh, the chemistry seems to be a lot better. Leonard Hamilton, the job that he has done since he came onto that campus and how great he looks at over 70 years old probably helps out a whole lot too. That black don't crack, that's for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's a team that has been one of the more surprising teams. So I know I talked a little bit about, you know, teased a little bit about overachieving teams and underachieving teams, and certainly Florida State should probably right be right there in that conversation. Northwestern at Penn State. Penn State, who is on a seven-game win streak, I want to say, doing a great, great job. I haven't seen this team look this good since the Crispin brothers in 2001. Uh, where I believe they won the the conference at that moment. So uh, obviously looking, you know, really, really good. And and uh, I think this is their longest win streak uh, since they've joined the conference in the Big Ten. Uh, and I believe it is the highest ranking that they've had and sitting at number 13. And they're, they're just looking really good. Now, you do have Lamar Stevens, who, you know, has over 2,000 points in his career, uh, there at Bryce Jordan Center. But on top of that, uh, I, I think is where you have to consider that there's other guys that, you know, kind of surround uh, Stevens that, you know, you've got to be impressed with and got to tip your cap or, 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 uh, or, or take your cap off for because of the kind of job that they're doing. Mike Watkins, although he looks like somebody's uncle, yeah, look up Mike Watkins from Penn State if you don't believe me. Like you gotta really check this dude's dude out. Like he got the the Ernie and Bert, the scratchy mustache. He looks forty. Like he looks like he drinks forties. Like I know that's probably not the nicest thing in the world to say. Uh, yet I'm got a really good feeling that if you uh, if you pull him up, Google him up, then you'll probably agree with me. Um, Miles Dredd is another one of those guys who I think is really underrated and underappreciated. Not a lot of attention that people are really giving him, but he certainly is, plays a significant part and piece to this Penn State team. I'm taking them on Saturday. Uh, Dayton, I think that that goes unsaid. Playing on the road at UMass, I don't think that that will make nearly as much of a difference, and that's where I will take the Dayton Flyers. And you know what, I'm – I'm not sure if I'll see if we'll see get to a point where we'll see the Dayton Flyers lose another game for the remainder of the regular season. I know that, you know, Gonzaga's in that conversation, San Diego State's in that conversation, and perhaps maybe even a few other others that are playing in some weaker conferences. But uh when you start factoring in Dayton, while they haven't played a lot of some of the best teams in the country, uh, you know, they did play Kansas earlier this year and won in overtime or lost in overtime rather uh, by six points. And uh, and played uh, a game, I believe, in Chicago against Colorado, who Colorado is a good team. You got to give them credit. A lot of people forget that Colorado uh, beat Dayton in that game. But Obi Toppin is looking like uh, the front runner or somewhere right up in that conversation for national player of the year. It's crazy to believe that we can have a year where we've gone from Trey Young, who was had live break-ins on NBA games, showing some of his highlights and stats and all that stuff, and then he leaves and go to the NBA. We see the exact same thing with Zion Williamson the following year, and then now we're looking for who that next guy is, and it's probably Obi Toppin with not nearly as much hype. But I think that he does benefit from being one of the elder players in college basketball this year. 
Uh, so he looks like he's a man playing amongst boys. Now, he reminds me a little bit of Adrian Payne from Michigan State, just a tad bit with that stretch four and that body real long and very athletic. Um, but all in all, uh, I will say enough to say that this is a team that's going to be a really hard out in the NCAA tournament, and they're they're just they're really they're really just looking really good. I'm not sure if we'll see them lose. I'm looking here at the schedule. I'm not sure what other game that would be. They do play at VCU coming up next week uh, on the 18th. That's on the road. That is at Havoc, and you know how they play defense there. So I, I think that that will be a tough game for. Dayton to overcome, but I'm willing to say right here, right now, where you heard it here first, that if they find a way to beat VCU, they won't lose until conference tournament play, if they lose in conference tournament play. And I'm even going to go on record as saying something else. If they, if, 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 if Dayton beats VCU at VCU, they will not lose another freaking game until the NCAA tournament, late into the NCAA tournament. How about that? This is the, the uh, a team that uh, is scoring over 81 points per game. That's seventh in the country, fourth in assists at over 18 assists per game. They're right there at the uh, somewhere near the top, if not number one, at field goal shooting in the country. I mean, they're they're – they're right there. They're going to jump a lot of people. And, and Obi Toppin is one of those players that I really believe can really make a name and will make a name for himself even more so than he already has in the NCAA tournament and, and show why he is a top five pick. And I really believe that he's very deserving of being that. I'm not sure if I've seen a game this year where it looked like he had any flaws, and I think that that really helps them out a lot. Now, the fact that this is a pretty poor draft year, and I don't not trying to throw a stone or any shots at Obi Toppin for that, uh, and they got another guy by the name of Jalen Crutcher who's really freaking good as well and can score the basketball. This is a team that is experienced, but while they are experienced, they're not experienced in terms of postseason play. Uh, but they have a lot of guards that can shoot and score the basketball and not a bad defending team either. Uh, however, uh, when you have the target on your back, so far it looks so good, but uh, I think when you put them on the biggest stage of college basketball, that could potentially look a little bit different. They deserve to be in the conversation and right there. Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking forward to next year's Oklahoma State team. This is not that at Gallagher Ibo Arena. I expect it to be a close game. I will take Texas Tech in that game, which I really, really on pit walking on pins and needles in regards to who to pick for that game. Uh, but I, I will be one to take. Uh, Texas Tech in that particular game and in large part not just because of how they play defensively and they're a little bit better than they were before offensively with uh, Davide Moretti and some of the other guys but uh, I think when you start talking about guys like um, Jamias Ramsey uh, who when we were talking about NBA draft that's going to be arguably probably the biggest steal of any in the NBA draft so keep your eyes and your ears open for Texas Tech guard Jamias Ramsey, who has a really, really good body. He's really strong, really physical, and really talented as well. So uh, Ole Miss at Kentucky. I think Kentucky's the best team in the SEC. Simple and plain, plain and simple. Uh, and, and that's no shot at LSU. That is no shot at Auburn. Two teams that are really good and two teams that can win multiple 
games in the NCAA tournament, uh, but it's just not enough for me to say that they're a better team than Kentucky. I think when you have guys like Nick Richards, who's looking significantly better, and it won't surprise me if 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 I see Kentucky get really far in the NCAA tournament or just get to whatever point where it might be second round, third round, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, whatever the case, and Nick Richards doesn't have a good game, and 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 Ashton Higgins, who I absolutely love, he's a product right here from Metro Atlanta area, and I think that he's the best on-ball defender in the country. I really believe that. I know last year everybody was talking about Trey Jones and this and that, and I just I don't see it. He runs this offense. He's he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he is pretty speedy. He is a quick guy. He has a high IQ, and he's just a really really good freaking basketball player. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me the least bit to see this Kentucky team who is already young, and they've been leaving quite a few national championships on the table themselves. They haven't won one in, what, eight years, I think. We're talking about a team that – a program that only hangs up national championship banners, yet still they continue to get the bet to roll out the – or roll in, rather, roll in and roll out <laughs> relatively quickly uh, the best – I like to say the, the 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 best recruits that money can buy, and we know that uh, Mr. Calipari, <laughs> Mr. Calipari is a salesman himself. But I'm not hating on, I'm not hating the player, I'm not hating the game, I'm not hating at all. Uh, but this is this is the best team in the conference. It just wouldn't surprise me to see this be a team that ended up with an early out because Nick Richards didn't necessarily play well, got in foul trouble. E.J. Montgomery is not enough for them in the front court. Ashton Higgins can really only do so much, uh, and his elite style of play is on the defensive end of the ball, uh, and uh, and Tyrese Maxey not go crazy or go crazy, but still eventually end up in a loss in an upset fashion. That wouldn't surprise me the least bit. Uh, but I think that this is a team that is growing significantly uh, into being some of the best in college basketball, and they're right there on the outside looking in at the Final Four for me at this current time. Georgetown at Butler. I'm a row with Butler, number 19 in the country at home. This West Virginia and, and, and Baylor game is one I think is intriguing because I think that Baylor is due. They're a physical team. They're a team that's uh, ex- very experienced. Uh, a very athletic team, and a very disciplined team. Uh, how much do I buy into them in the NCAA tournament? I can't tell you that I'm going to buy in a whole lot. Uh, and they got some really good transfers that have come in and, 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 and you know, have done very well for them this year. But I just think that, you know, West Virginia is going to be too much, uh, even, even, even on the road, even on the road. I know that Baylor went up to Morgantown and, Snuck away with the win. Or no, they play later on in the season. I think that's the last game of the season or one of the last games of the season in Morgantown, which uh, I might even like West Virginia to win both of those games. But I like them to win in Waco and take that number one ranking away from Baylor so that they can then give it back to the number two team in the country, that being Gonzaga. So I'm going to take West Virginia on that one. Uh, A large part of that is not only because I think that they can – uh, play physical, just as physical, if not more than Baylor. But they've got the horses up front in order to do it. And there's this guy who I think is arguably the most underrated coach in all of college basketball, and that's within the history. And that person would happen to be Huggy Bear, which I don't know how to feel about calling another grown, another grown ass man Huggy Bear. But we'll just call him Bob Huggins for now. Uh, Louisville, who lost. 
last night at a game that I was at at Georgia Tech. We'll get into that a little bit later. Number five traveling on the road to at Clemson. I know that that's not, you know, a breeze, but I do like to think that I uh, feel really comfortable with taking Louisville in that particular game who just so happened to be what I think technically tied or slightly ahead, slightly ahead, that is, uh, of Duke in the ACC uh, because they have one more win than Duke, although both have two losses, two blemishes on their records. Duke, uh, or Louisville rather, also holds the head-to-head matchup against Duke, and that was at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So although they have one more loss than Duke does, they've also played one more game and also have one more win with the head-to-head win. Uh, over the Blue Devils. And speaking of the Blue Devils, they'll welcome Notre Dame into Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, on Saturday. And I am clearly going to go with Duke on that one. I don't see another loss at home. We've already seen it from against Louisville. We've already seen it against Stephen F. Austin. I don't know why every time I say that, I want to say Stone Cold Steve Austin, maybe because both of them are in Texas. I'm not really sure, but I'm still going to go with the Devils on this one. I just think that what a phenomenal game that they won and played against Florida State this week and and the same thing against um, the nail-biter on the road against North Carolina. Uh, and, and I think that they will continue to roll because they are one of the most disciplined teams, if not the most disciplined team in all of college basketball uh, this year. And big reason behind that is – You've got that guy over there wearing that suit on the sideline, and and, and it's military school when, when he rolls his guys out there on the floor. So I love Mike Bray, a guy that I wish would be taking over Coach K's position when it's time for Coach K to step down because I think he's a perfect hire for that. Uh, but it won't be nearly enough, although Notre Dame has a decent team this year. Uh, number 25, LSU, I'm going to take them over Alabama. I know that this is a win that Alabama desperately needs over another ranked team. Uh, It was a really close game that they played on last night against Auburn, an overtime game that they came away really close with, uh, but close but no cigar, Uh, although they beat Auburn earlier this year. and I think they beat another team earlier this year where they upset uh, as well. I'm not sure if that was an LSU or what, but uh, I I think that uh, LSU will be just a little bit too much, and this is an LSU team that's steady growing on me. Uh, for sure, they're one of the top rebounding teams in the country, and they do a really, really good job at that. Got some really good players playing under Will Wade that is returning from last year's Sweet 16 team as well. Uh, Illinois, number 22, ranked in the country at Rutgers. I'm going to take Rutgers on this one. I'm not exactly sure as to what the um, injury status is with uh, Io Desumu. Uh, who I think is another player much like Jamias Ramsey that you might want to write that one down so when you start looking forward to the NBA draft, uh, you will know where to find your steals and those diamonds in the rough and those hidden gems. Uh, I think that he's certainly right there in that conversation. But uh, for right now, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he'll play, although I, I do believe that some of the tests that they did on him at the end of the Final buzzer uh, against Michigan State, which happened to be their third consecutive loss, um, uh, that he will be okay for the season, that he won't be out for the season, but unsure as to exactly when it will be that he will be returning. So I'm going to go with Rutgers at home at the rack on that one. A really tough place to play. Number nine, Maryland at Michigan State. I'm going to roll Michigan State out on that one. Uh, I've been the guy that have been up against Maryland, who's been playing phenomenal basketball, some of the best in the country 
in, in the best uh, conference in the country or most competitive, if you will. Uh, but I don't think there's many people that will argue that fact of them being exactly that. Uh, however, I will say enough to say that Maryland is right there sitting at the top of the Big Ten, at least if not nothing else than just with a one-game lead. But they're sitting right there at the top all by themselves, and they're ranked in the top ten in the country. And again, I've been the dude that has been highly critical of Maryland like all season, entering this season. I said they'll be more than likely to be a team that would not make the tournament than to go to the Elite Eight. And while I still feel extremely strong about that, Obviously, clearly, that they won't be missing the NCAA tournament. Uh, but I think that it's going to be tough for now a Michigan State team who have, you know, snapped a three-game losing streak by winning on the road after being up by 20, still having a hard time putting two halves together. Um, just when I thought that Michigan State was the team that, uh, you know, uh, they came in ranked number one on the season, preseason ranked. Obviously, that was a bit too high. That's for sure. Uh, and they play their breast, their best brand of basketball. Did I say their breast? Yeah, their best brand of basketball in the second half of the season, and they just haven't looked like they're getting significant, like much, much better after some blowout losses and some really close losses. Wisconsin without their best two players, Indiana at IU, Purdue at Mackey Arena. I mean, there's just been way far too many instances um, of seeing that, but they're definitely – trying to find their way after uh, Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, who I feel like pours butter, melted butter all over his hands before every game sometimes, but having a hard time trying to um, find and figure out who that third best scorer is for them. Is it Aaron Henry? He appears to be too inconsistent. Uh, is it Gabe Brown, who I think has some of the best talent in not only in the Big Ten uh, prematurely, but also on that team, but his outside stroke and shooting ability, athleticism, very underrated. But as we can see that the freshman in Rocket, Mark Rocket Watts, is kind of playing himself into that position slowly, career high against Illinois. But um, Michigan State will have their work cut out for them. They're unranked now at this point, where I really believe that they should be anyway. Um and uh, that's probably where they need to stay and belong to stay out of the forefront uh, of everyone else. Uh, and that's typically where they play their best brand of basketball. I didn't say breast that time. Uh, their best brand of basketball. Uh, but, you know, after beating Illinois on the road and if they beat Maryland, they'll be right there somewhere sniffing the top 25 all over again. So we'll see if Tom Izzo will have that crew ready. Uh, Auburn at Missouri. I'm going to roll with Auburn on that one. I know that McCormick, amongst other guys, have been looking really good. Austin Wiley is a team that's only lost two games on the entire season, coming away with big-time wins, although they haven't had the beefy non-conference schedule. Uh, they have certainly played the teams that were in their way, and they've beaten those teams all except for two of them in Kentucky, who I believe is the best team in that conference, is also included in that same conversation. So Isaac Okoro, a guy that we were talking about, NBA draft, and hidden gems and all of those things, this guy could very, very easily and should probably be a lottery, another Metro Atlanta uh, area kid uh, from McEachern High School uh, who can likely be a lotto pick for Auburn. He's a guy that can defend and play offensively all five positions on the floor for sure, all the top four positions on the floor. And he's really good lateral movement with quick point guards right in front of him and 
Isaac Okoro is an absolute stud. Wouldn't be the least bit surprising for me to see him throw his name in the hat. Uh, number 20, Houston, led by Kelvin Sampson uh, at SMU. I'm going to take Houston on that one. DePaul at 23, Creighton. That one was a tough one. As much as I really wanted to go with Creighton on that one, unfortunately, I'm going to have to roll with DePaul, who's not on a very good streak right now. I think they're on like a six- or seven-game win streak. In order for them to be considered on the bubble, I think this is a game that they have to win, and I think that they will. Seton Hall, who unfortunately coming away with a loss against Creighton at home, where arguably the best player in the country and Miles Powell uh, didn't have a, a good game, shot one for 11 the other night. Uh, I think that this is a, 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 a team that could be right there in the mix. In the end, they play at Providence. I'm going to take Seton Hall to get a little bit of revenge on this one. Number two, Gonzaga at Pepperdine should be more intriguing than most people would think when they think of Pepperdine. Um, the, and where's that? Malibu, California, I want to say. I think I got some family out there in that area. Probably should go out there and check out that game. Um, but I can't because I'll be in Chicago. Um, Gonzaga. I'm, I'm going to go with Gonzaga on that one. That's obvious, but depending on what that spread looks like, you want to circle that one, highlight that one on your calendar because that's a, a, a good, or in terms of scoring, Pepperdine team that is that is pretty freaking good, uh, and they're not bad. They lost a very close nail-biter to Arizona earlier this year, I think even to Gonzaga potentially even in that same conversation. So Pepperdine coached by Lorenzo Romar, the overpaid coach at Washington for so, for so long, uh, that is a uh, that that's going to be a closer game than a lot of people would think. I got Gonzaga winning that game and going unbeaten until the twenty second, twenty fourth, no twenty second uh, of February, where they'll meet up with BYU. I'm calling that one earlier because I'm going with the Cougs in Provo. And the last game for Saturday, number sixteen, Colorado at Oregon State. I'm going to take Colorado on that one uh, against the Beavers. Could also be a really, really tough, uh, a really, really tough game. I'm trying to think of where Oregon State plays. Is it Corvallis, Oregon? I know that's probably a really weird thing to even think at this current moment, but I think that's in Corvallis. So uh, I'm gonna go with Colorado on that one. They might just be a little bit too much up front, especially because the big man in the middle and uh, and Batty. Uh, but they've also got Bay on that team and a few others, and and, and they look pretty. They, they look pretty good. Wright is on that team as well, uh, and they might just be a little bit too much. They're going to be right there in contention for Pac-12 championship um, with with Oregon, uh, and 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 I think that'll be really interesting to see. Even where Stanford and USC might be in that conversation of the Pac-12. Nonetheless, I'm gonna go with the Buffs. Uh, on Sunday, number 15, Villanova at Temple, a battle of Philadelphia's. Uh, but I'm going to go with Villanova on that one who just barely squeaked by a really, really close game in a, in, in a pretty good team uh, in, uh, in, was it Marquette? I think by one point, I believe, with Marcus Howard and those guys. I think that uh, Villanova will win that game. Then you have number 21, Iowa at Minnesota. I know that that's a really, really tough in tight game, a rivalry game between both of those programs where Minnesota really needs this win, but I'm going to take Iowa on that one. Number four, San Diego State at Boise State. I'm taking SDSU. No shocker there. Uh, but what I will say is I'm, I'm going to have to pull up this schedule. 
because I need to find me a game where I think that San Diego State will lose. And now while I'm not automatically guaranteeing it, and speaking of shockers, uh, that's one of those <clears throat> that's one of those games in which, uh, or one of those things in which you know that we probably hadn't seen a mid-major team look this good in undefeated fashion since we saw that against you know with the Shockers in Wichita State. So I think in that one, who is a team who's what twenty-four and out twenty-five and a goose egg twenty-five and 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 a bagel. Uh, Boise State up next. Let's see who else is on that schedule. Boise State up next versus UNLV, who could be an interesting game, but it's highly doubtful. Only four games left in the conference. Uh, Colorado State as well, and then at Nevada. So uh, two games on the road at Boise and at Nevada, and then uh, home games against UNLV and Colorado State. I'm just going to go ahead and say that they're going to run the table. I'm going to keep it real simple for that one. Um, last on Sunday is Utah at Oregon. I'm going to roll with Oregon on that one. I just don't think that Utah has enough, and I think this is where Oregon begins to slowly pull away from the other teams in the Pac-12 to show who reigns supreme and that it is the Oregon Ducks, coached by Dana Altman. So there are all of my – there are all of my – Uh, Picks for the week, again, I'm taking Indiana over Iowa, uh, Oregon over Colorado, Kansas over Oklahoma, Florida State over Syracuse, Penn State over Northwestern, Dayton over UMass, Texas Tech over Okie State, uh, Kentucky over Ole Miss, Butler over Georgetown, West Virginia over Baylor, Louisville over Clemson, Duke over Notre Dame, LSU over Alabama, Rutgers over Illinois, Michigan State over Maryland, Auburn over Missouri, Houston over SMU, DePaul over Creighton, uh, Seton Hall over Providence, Gonzaga to beat Pepperdine, Colorado to beat Oregon State, Villanova to beat Temple, Iowa to beat Minnesota, SDSU, San Diego State over Boise State, and Oregon over Utah. Now, as far as those one, two, three, and four seeds, I think this is where they go as followed in my book before I start dipping into some of the overachieving and underachieving teams. Um, in college basketball. Uh, I, I like Baylor, uh, Gonzaga, San Diego State, and Kansas as the number one seeds. I think, I mean, that's just kind of seems like that's kind of gone on replay and in, in a reoccurring thing that everybody keeps on saying. The two seeds are like Duke and Louisville, two teams that I think will play a part in potentially being a number one seed once Baylor maybe loses a game or two. Uh, or, or and or Kansas, who will meet up with Baylor sometime next week uh, to be able to, you know, split hairs there, if you will, or if San Diego State even loses a game or two. Uh, so I think between Duke and Louisville, the two teams at the top of the ACC right now are two seeds. I'm going to take Dayton there as well, and I'm going to take Maryland also, the number one team left all up there at the top all by themselves in the toughest conference in the country. The three seeds, Seton Hall, Florida State, Auburn, and Kentucky, which I think, again, splitting hairs in the SEC, is very close for Kentucky to not be in that conversation and right there on the four line, but because their consistent improvement over the course of the last few weeks is while I have them there. And then you have four seeds between West Virginia, Oregon, Villanova, and guess who? Penn State. Now, let me say this because I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm hearing Seth Greenberg talking about Penn State being a Final Four team. And while they very well could be if that happens, have we seen crazier things happen? Absolutely. Not many, but we've seen some. That said, 
I'm hearing Seth Greenberg calling this a Final Four team. Who else are we going to call a Final Four team? I feel like we've been hearing probably by now all 351. No disrespect to Penn State because they've been playing phenomenal basketball. Do I think they're going to the Final Four and going to be right here in the city that I, that we are hosting in here in Atlanta? Absolutely not. Respectfully disagree with him. But I'm tired of hearing about a new team as it seems every week. San Diego State could be a Final Four team. At one point we were talking about Ohio State being a Final Four team. I was a part of that conversation as well. And even mentioned the exact same thing. We heard the same thing about Washington, Michigan State, Kentucky. I don't think anybody's ever going to count out Duke. Maryland's in that conversation, I'm sure. I'm hearing people talk about Seton Hall. Louisville maybe be in that conversation. Baylor, I haven't heard a ton of people say it, but I wouldn't be surprised between them and Kansas being in that same conversation. Uh, Auburn's probably right there. People love Villanova because of their recent success in the tournament. Butler's been there before, and if I told people Butler would make it back, people were going to say, what else is new? We've seen that twice over the course of the last 10 years or so. So, you know, I, I just think that there's some some instances where we need to be a little bit more consistent with sticking to the teams that we feel like will be there. And speaking of, let me go ahead and give you mine now. I've been preaching about this Dayton team for an extremely long time. Uh, and since the beginning of the season where I saw them in the Maui Invitational, I said that they look really good. They're going to be a Final Four team. They haven't fell off just one bit. They're one of my final fours. Seton Hall. Don't everybody go running at once trying to jump on the Seton Hall bandwagon. That is a team that has the size, the athleticism, uh, the the discipline, uh, the physicality, the star power with Miles Powell. Uh, I I just think that they're plain and simple a final four team, and, and there's not really a whole lot. That uh, of people or things that can talk me off of that list. Duke is right there uh, on that list as well because of the simple fact that you have a Coach K. I think if this was a team that was coached by anybody else in the country, they probably wouldn't be a Final Four team. But because you put that Coach K stamp right there on it, I think is where you have to consider uh, putting them in that conversation. And the last one, I'm not sure if there is a last one. I think between three teams, Oregon, West Virginia, and Gonzaga, uh, Gonzaga probably is the front runner for for them uh, of those teams. Uh, however, uh, those are three teams you know that have gotten to the Final Four over the course of the last you know what is it ten fifteen years or so. Uh, West Virginia went in two thousand. Uh, let's see here nine. I want to say it was ten, nine, ten, ten. Yes, 10, 2000, 2010. Uh, Oregon went in 17. Gonzaga went in 17. So I think that they could be right there. The problem with Gonzaga is this. They've got the front court. They can't keep Killian Tilly healthy by any means. Uh, they're not the Karnowskis and the, uh, in, in the, in the, in the Sabonis. They're not that team. Uh, but I think they have enough in this particular year to where they can finish the deal uh, and I think that in terms of getting back to the Final Four and maybe even cut down the nets, but they're not the only ones that have left turn, uh, championship opportunities on the table, and this would be a big one for Gonzaga this year because they have the Killian Tilly, they have the Corey Kispert, they have the Philip uh, Petruzev, but they don't have the guards, and I think that that's something that's really going to irk and bother them. West Virginia is just another one of those teams that are physical. You're going to see it against Baylor upcoming this weekend. They're a physical team. They're a hard-nosed team. They rebound the crap out of the basketball, and they're very well coached. So um, there's that. 
Uh, you guys let me know what you feel about my underachieving and overachieving teams. I'm just going to list them and not give you a whole lot of uh, background on them, but you let me know how you feel about them or if you think that there's anybody else. So here goes a top five plus one of underachieving and disappointing teams. That would be Memphis, and I get it without James Wiseman. Michigan State because of the big, huge target that they've had on their back and even have arguably uh, entering the season the best player in college basketball, hence why he was preseason player of the year in Cassius Winston. Uh, you have Florida in that same conversation who started out ranked in the top six in the country. Ohio State, who got all the way up from number 16 to number, what, two or three in the country this year and has been unranked for every bit of the last probably month and a half. Then you have Washington, who's the only team to beat uh, Gonzaga, uh, or not Gonzaga, Gonzaga. No, that was Michigan. That was those Wolverines. But to beat Baylor this season, and they haven't looked like a shell of themselves ever since that, which I think they should have been in contention with Oregon right now instead of Colorado to be right there to win the Pac-12. And then you have Arizona with all the hype of their incoming freshmen uh, who we I, – I, it's just really hard for me to buy a lot of stock in. And that, that particular program has kind of disappointed me quite a bit. Uh, ever since Lou Dolson has left, if I'm just being honest. Now, in terms of overachieving teams, by the way, um, uh, Najee from Arizona looks really, really good. I know that I was talking about uh, Gonzaga earlier, but when I was, uh, and, I, and I don't mean to flip-flop around on you guys, but I want to make sure that I mention this and that this doesn't go unsaid because it's very important. We've seen a lot of teams that made it to the Sweet 16, that have made it to the Elite Eight that it made it to the Final Four, eventually knocked down that door. We saw it with Villanova two of the last, what, four years? We've seen it with uh, Virginia, who is a team in which, you know, consistently made it to Sweet 16, consistently made it to the Elite Eight, finally got to the Final Four, and then won the national championship. Could that be that team for Gonzaga this year? I don't know. It's left to find out, but that's kind of the trend that you typically see with a lot of those uh, such programs. Now in terms of the overachieving teams, Florida State is one of them with everything that they've lost. That's just all Leonard Hamilton's success there. Baylor, who I didn't expect to be at this point uh, for this consistent long you know, term and time of the season, uh, they're certainly right there in that conversation. San Diego State, I think every single person would agree with me. I'm not even sure if San Diego State saw this coming their own selves. Penn State. Penn freaking state ranked number 13 in the country. And we're not talking about football Rutgers who arguably probably has the overall worst uh, program in terms of athletics combined between basketball and football entering the basketball season this year. And that doesn't look remotely close to being how they will finish. Illinois has still been over an overachieving team as of this year, considering Kofi Coburn, I always want to call him Kofi Cockburn because it's spelled C-O-C-K-B-U-R-N, which is not a very attractive last name to have. Uh, but he's a load up front, uh, and he's a really good basketball player that can swat some shots, athletic and very physical on the inside. Teams have uh, issues with, um, you know, with, with, with him on, on, the, on the low block, that's for sure. And then Dayton has been an overachieving team, which I think the consensus could pretty much – agree with that um appreciate everybody for you know taking out the time to listen feel free to as we conclude tate's take the podcast now finally right it's like does this guy ever stop talking 
But when it's college basketball and college basketball is approaching, I can't imagine that uh, you would think that you can expect anything different. Um, you know, not very many opinionated things. I like to just give you the stats and facts of college basketball. So I hope that you guys have certainly enjoyed what I have provided you with in terms of content. Again, feel free to subscribe anywhere you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Red Circle. Just hit that little button, boop, that says, you like that? Boop. uh, That little button that says subscribe on it and feel free to share it with a friend who you know love basketball. Uh, Every time you hit that button, you are supporting somebody whose dreams are just slowly uh, coming true. And and I'm very thankful and overly appreciative uh, and overly grateful of that as well. Because I feel like if we could talk it in the barbershops, baby, we could talk it at the local sports bars, that we can come on and we can support. uh, And feel free to uh, use that Twitter thing that I want to use so much. Follow even on IG. The handle is the same. At Tate's Take Hoops. Let me know how you enjoy the podcast. That's at T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Of course, where else? We're basketball lists. But now it's your